So as I prayed with our gospel this weekend, what stood out to me was something that I'd never really thought about or noticed before. So I would like to share it with you all so that you can contemplate it as well. So the scripture gives us this little detail. The boat, already a few miles offshore, was being tossed about by the waves. A few miles offshore is what I'd like to look at. Because think of what that sort of implies. Jesus had to walk on water for several miles before he finally arrived at the disciples' boat. In fact, whenever he started walking towards that boat, he didn't actually manage to arrive until we hear the the fourth watch of the night. So that's around 3 a.m., maybe somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. in the morning. So Jesus might have been walking on water for many hours on end. Sometimes I think we might imagine that Jesus just kind of teleported right next to the boat, right? That's kind of, we think about it, it's like, oh, here's, here's the story where Jesus is walking on water. And he just kind of popped right there next to the boat, right? Maybe he did that. I don't know. I wasn't there. But the Bible doesn't tell us that part explicitly. All it says is he came toward them walking on the sea. But what if there's a deeper truth embedded here? What if the scripture is trying to communicate how far the Lord is willing to walk on water just to come and save us? Sometimes I think we we think in this, this sort of line of thinking. I'm just too far offshore. I'm too messed up, too lost, too old, too insignificant, too inadequate, too sinful, too this, too that, and Jesus won't bother coming this far out onto the waters to come and get me. If anything like that has ever passed through your mind, then I just want to say this as loud enough for everyone here to hear, that is a gigantic lie. Because the truth is that Jesus will brave the wind and the waves And he will walk for miles and miles and miles just to meet you out there on the waters. Imagine the scene for a moment. Jesus out there alone walking on the sea. He starts off at the shore, right? And he starts walking out. And he starts climbing up tall mountainous waves. And he's like sliding down the troughs of the waves for miles and miles and miles. All the while... He can kind of see between the the rain and the cloud and the lightning and the waves. He can see that tiny little boat very, very, very far in the distance. And he can see his friends struggling, for the wind was against them. That little phrase can literally be translated as being harassed or tortured. The disciples were being physically beaten by this severe weather. And yet, even as all of that is happening... Jesus is quietly and imperceptibly hiking towards them on the water. Lightning crosses the sky, but the Lord was not in the lightning. Waves like walls rise up and crash back down, but the Lord was not in the waves. The wind howls, but the Lord was not in the wind. The Lord was that one lone man, quietly braving the raging sea. 
Meanwhile, the disciples didn't have the slightest clue that Jesus was already well on his way on this little, this little hike across the sea to come and help them. For all they knew in that moment, they were alone and they were in very, very, very deep trouble. The last time this sort of thing happened, when a freak storm blew up on the sea, at least Jesus was there in the boat with them, even though he managed to somehow fall asleep, right? That was very frustrating as well. But at least that time, they'd been able to go down and wake him up just in time, crying out, Lord, can't you see that we are perishing? At least then, Jesus was right there to rebuke the wind and keep them safe. But now, it's the middle of the night. They've already been rowing for 10, maybe 12 hours. Darkness is all around them. The storm isn't letting up, and Jesus was presumably still very, very far away up on that mountain praying. What good is that doing them right now? How is that being productive and helpful to them? These are the lies that were going through their heads, maybe. And yet, even as those fears invaded their hearts, Jesus was still busy just strolling across the sea, confidently approaching them the entire time demonstrating for hours on end that it is possible to walk on water, that the, the storm really had no power over him whatsoever. He himself created those waters in the beginning. He is the Lord of all the cosmos, and he has authority to walk on the waters, to trample over them. Jesus will walk on water for however far he needs to, in order to save us. In fact, that's what the incarnation is all about, isn't it? Jesus traveled all the way from heaven to earth in order to rescue us, in order to create a bridge across the chasm that existed between God and humanity, in order to save us from all of our sins, sins that we could not do anything about ourselves the eternal Son of God, became human. And that is way more astonishing than walking on water. We were lost at sea. We were many, 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 many miles away from shore. We were hopelessly tortured and harassed by the waves of sin and death. But the Word stepped down from heaven. He became flesh for us, and He approached us, saying, Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Another possible translation for that, that, that word from the Lord is, take heart, I am. Take heart, I am. Jesus is the great I am. He's God in the flesh. We heard that in the second reading from St. Paul, right? He is overall God-blessed forever. Jesus, the great I am, he approaches us. He takes the first step. He makes the first move. What's our response going to be? To answer that, let's take a look at how St. Peter responds. Lord, if it is you, he says, command me to come to you on the water. What is Peter saying here? Well, he's basically saying this, Lord, if it really is you out there and not some sort of ghost, not some sort of myth, not some sort of figment of my imagination, not wishful thinking, if it's really you, and if you are really God, 
then empower me to do what you're doing. Enable me to come and be more like you, to live like you live. Think about it. If Jesus has that kind of authority over chaos and over destruction, over the wind and the waves, then what does that mean for us? What about for those of us who believe and have been baptized into his life, his death, and his resurrection? His life is living in us now. The fact is, we are being welcomed into a share of that same power, that same lifestyle, that same capacity by grace to walk on water. On our own power, we can't do anything remotely like that. On our own power, we can't conquer our own sin and vices. On our own power, we can't love God or even our family, our friends, the way that they actually deserve to be loved. We can't do that on our own power. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Zip, zero, nada. But Jesus wants to empower us. Notice that in the gospel passage, Peter does not beg Jesus to just come to him, to get into his boat. Rather, he begs Jesus to invite him out to where he is. And again, Peter's intuition is right on target. This is how we respond. I'm reminded here of something I read in Dan Demite's book, Dream Bigger. It's really convicting, so buckle up, get ready. He says this, Many think that they are following Jesus, when in reality they live their lives in such a way that they are asking Jesus to follow them. Whoa. Many think they're following Jesus, but really they're living their lives in such a way that they're asking Jesus to follow them. I think this is a real temptation for us. We can waste so much of our time insisting that Jesus just go ahead and quiet the storm, get rid of all of our problems, please, and then expect him to get into our boat and go where we want to go. But really, instead of doing that, we need to become more like St. Peter and say, if it's really you, Jesus, then I want to be where you are. I want to do what you want to do. Call me. Draw me to yourself. I will come even if it means doing something that is literally impossible for me. Did you know that Jesus has an impossible supernatural plan for your life? He's asking each one of us to walk on water in different ways, according to our own vocations. Don't be afraid to take that step because you've been entrusted with a share in Christ's own authority to walk upon the waters without fear, with faith. Take the plunge. First, discern, Lord, is it really you, right? Is it really you out there? And if you hear his voice after studying scripture and after studying what the church teaches and after intense personal prayer and after consulting people in your life that you really trust, if after all of that, you hear his voice say, come, then go for it. Step out of the boat and go to seminary. Step out of the boat and ask that girl out for coffee. 
Step out of the boat and get the gym membership that you've been thinking about going for. Apply for that job that you think you'd, you'd really love. Call that friend that you've lost touch with. Take the risk and go to RCIA. Sign up for that new ministry. Start praying the liturgy of the hours. Dust off that rosary. Because the fact is, you're never going to have a perfectly calm, still, stormless moment in your life. So there's no use delaying a decision that you know is really according to the Lord's heart, according to his will. If you know that he's actually calling you to do something, don't waste time. Go. So many people will say stuff like this, and I hear it like a lot, actually. Yeah, I know the Lord wants me to do such and such, but now's just not the right time, Father. Things are just too stressful. I'm too busy. Life is too crazy. I need to hold off until all of the external circumstances in my life are peaceful and uneventful. I need to wait for things to calm down, and then I'll do what God has been asking me to do. But what if the storms never actually let up? What if things never do calm down? What if you're actually meant to step out of the boat in the middle of the storm, trusting not in your own abilities to manage and control the situation, but rather placing your total trust in the Lord? So what if you sink? Even if that happens, you still don't need to be afraid. Peter sank. Peter failed. The risk of failure is not a good enough reason not to follow the Lord's call. Because Jesus is with you the entire time, and he will pull you back up immediately. That's what the scripture says. Immediately he reached out and grabbed Peter's hand. After pulling him back up, Jesus then asked Peter, why did you doubt? As if to say, Peter, can't you see what I'm doing? I'm walking on water. In fact, I've been doing it already for hours. I've walked all this way out here to just be with you. I hiked for miles and miles and miles on this angry sea. Am I any less human than you are? I'm fully God, yes, but I'm also fully man. You can do what I'm doing, Peter, through the power and the grace of the Holy Spirit. You did it for a few steps already. You could have kept going on being supernatural. You could have kept going. Why'd you doubt? Here's the incredible truth. We're just beginning to learn how to walk on water. We're all just beginning to learn how to hear that still, small voice, that quiet, whispering noise, which is the voice of the living God, the God who calls to us and says, come. Jesus has been walking on water for over 2,000 years. The church has been walking on water with him for that entire time. Millions and millions of saints have already successfully walked on water by the power of God. So what about you? What's keeping you from walking on water? Do you have faith to do that? Go for it. Why not you?